Thank you for joining me for today's Beast Watch News Update. News from the Internet's most comprehensive Bible prophecy news website, BeastWatchNews.com. I'm Kimberly Rogers Brown. The Mark. It's here. What's next? Well, what's next is us waiting and something else that I will tell you about at the end of this report. We must now await further developments, which I suspect will happen quickly between Passover and Sukkot this year. What those developments will be remains to be seen, but rest assured, Yahweh's prophecy plans always revolve around his feast. In this report, I will pull together the political problems happening in Israel with the Mark of the Beast that was rolled out in Israel under what the Israeli government calls the Green Pass. These two situations are connected. Let's look at the Green Pass initiative to see how Israelis are now the first in the world to suffer. The globalists are watching to see how their human maze rats react to being forced to take the mark under threat of non-economic participation and perhaps in the future even death. Israel is the test country. Why is this? Well, it is because Israel is Yahweh's ground zero for the first half of the seven-year tribulation. And Israel is one of the horns on the second beast in Revelation 13, verses 11 to 18. Israel is the house of Judah horn, the Jewish horn. The other horn is the Christian horn. And the head of both the Protestant and Christian world is the U.S. The Vatican is struggling to hold on to importance, which is why the Pope is working with the Shiite Muslims in Iran to join Islam with Catholicism in a new religion called Chrislam. And there are Protestant pastors and denominations with the Pope in this, but that's for another time and another report. Both Jews and Christians are associated with the lamb horns that appear on the head of the Revelation 13, 11 to 18 beast that arises out of Haaretz a.k.a. the land, the land of Israel. That is what the modern UN-created state of Israel calls Israel, Haaretz, the land. Thus, it should be no surprise that it is now out of Israel that the mark of the beast of Revelation 13, 11 to 18 is arising. So, as Israelis suffer under the heavy-handed oppression of the Jewish state government, and there is now a rapid COVID-19 vaccine rollout that has backfired in some U.S. states, Israeli Jews have now petitioned the International Criminal Court because Israel's mandatory COVID vaccines violate the Nuremberg Code. The group believes that Jews are being experimented on en masse in a program similar to the Nazi regime in Germany. Israel became one of the first nations in the world to mandate 
COVID-19 vaccines and to introduce a COVID passport system that would only allow individuals to participate in society, including commerce, after they received the vaccine and were approved to join the system. In Israel, refusing the COVID-19 vaccination means your life is basically over, according to this humansarefree.com article. Now, a group of Israeli Jews are suing the Netanyahu administration in international court, making the case that Israel is violating the Nuremberg Code by essentially making Israelis subject to a medical experiment using the controversial vaccines. Reporting for Church Militant, Jules Gomes wrote, The Anshe Ha'emet, or People of the Truth of Fellowship, comprising Israeli doctors, lawyers, campaigners, and concerned citizens, complained to the ICC prosecutor at The Hague, accusing the government of conducting a national medical experiment without first seeking informed consent. When the heads of the Ministry of Health, as well as the Prime Minister, presented the vaccine in Israel and began the vaccination of Israeli residents, the vaccinated were not advised that in practice they are taking part in a medical experiment and that their consent is required for this under the Nuremberg Code, the Anshe Ha'amet suit states. Tel Aviv-based firm A. Suchovolsky and Company Law argues that Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's agreement with Pfizer and Netanyahu's own admission make it clear that Israel's warp speed vaccination campaign is indeed a medical experiment and that this was the essence of the agreement. The complaint has now been accepted by the International Criminal Court, the ICC, and will be considered. The Nuremberg Code was written after Nazi doctors were put on trial for performing their medical experiments on concentration camp prisoners, and it stipulates that it is deeply unethical to force or coerce a person to take part in medical experiments, according to a Jewish anthropologist. Those behind the lawsuit believe this is especially relevant after Pfizer's CEO, Albert Borla, called Israel the world's lab due to its ready acceptance of the company's COVID-19 vaccine. This comes after an Israeli group decried the country's green passport system, which allows only those who have taken the COVID-19 vaccine or developed immunity from the virus to engage in commerce and leave their homes as demonic in a second holocaust. National File reported, What happened that we have strayed so far into a delirious state of total insanity, where people are actually cheering on this demonic, wicked agenda. My grandfather was the only survivor out of his whole family of the Holocaust, and this is exactly how it started, with discrimination, with essential and non-essential businesses, with people saying that Jews were second-class citizens, said Rosinger. Now, it's not about Jews. It's not about Arab. It's not about that. It's about who will take the vaccination. He added, if you don't do it, 
you're wicked, you're evil, you're a second-class citizen. Rosinger then explained the level of what he believes to be manipulation and coercion that are being employed in Israel to convince citizens to take the vaccine and become part of the green passport system. Read Mark of the Beast system. High-level government officials are saying you should send the police to people's houses that aren't being vaccinated. Release the names of people that aren't being vaccinated, said Rosinger. Go to their houses? Release their names? What kind of manipulation? What kind of bullying? What kind of wicked, tyrannical agenda is this? J-Post reports that Anshay Emet said in the suit that many were killed, injured, and severely damaged by the vaccine, adding that the health ministry openly admitted that 41% of police persons, military, education, and medical personnel who were vaccinated suffered severe side effects. The Jerusalem Post said it was unable to verify whether the ministry did this. Despite the suit's claims of severe side effects, death and injuries allegedly related to the vaccine, health ministry data released amid the vaccination campaign showed that only about 25 or 0.25% rather of Israelis who received the vaccination experienced any side effects and that the vast majority of these reported side effects were light and temporary, including general weakness and headaches, dizziness and feeling faint, muscle pain, fever, joint pain, nausea, stomach pain, chills, throat pain, coughs, and runny noses. Let me stop here and ask, who do you think the ICC will side with? It's UN Overlord and Sister Agency, the World Health Organization, or Anshe Emet. Which of the three entities will the ICC believe? Anshe Emet, or Israel's faked and underreported numbers, and the World Health Organization, which is running this show along with and in Israel. You get one guess, and Anshe Emet ain't it. During clinical trials of the Pfizer vaccine, two participants died after receiving the vaccination, but the deaths were deemed to be unrelated to the vaccine by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Meanwhile, the vaccine has been found to be 90% effective against a disease that only has a 2% kill rate or less. It is 97% effective against severe cases of the virus and 94% effective against asymptomatic infections, according to data recently released by Pfizer in the health ministry. Those who did not receive the vaccine were found to be 44 times more likely to develop a symptomatic case of COVID-19 and 29 times more likely to succumb to the virus when compared to individuals who had received their second dose two weeks prior. Yeah, they want people to believe these made-up numbers. 
Companies and associations that threatened to prevent unvaccinated employees from arriving at work were acting against the Nuremberg Code, the suit said, and policies preventing unvaccinated people from receiving certain services and entering certain locations also were against the code. The vaccination policies go against Israeli state law as well, says the suit. Well, here's a problem. The Humans Are Free article that I just highlighted said the lawsuit to the ICC has been accepted. Reuters fact-checking reports otherwise. It says the ICC's Office of the Prosecutor in an email to Reuters cautioned against the interpretation of acceptance in reference to the filing. We can confirm we have received a communication as the sender has made that fact public. As we do with all such communications, we will analyze the materials submitted as appropriate in accordance with the Rome Statute and with full independence and impartiality. The first step of that process is to assess whether the communication concerns matters that are manifestly outside the jurisdiction of the court. As soon as we reach a decision on the appropriate next step, we will inform the sender and provide reasons for our decision. Israel Hayom reports that the case is being reviewed, meaning that the case has not yet been accepted as a case that the ICC will accept for prosecution. While the unvaccinated await some kind of justice in the international court system, the globalists continue with their plans. IBM has partnered with Moderna, according to Dr. Mercola, to release a COVID health passport like the one released in Israel in February. The COVID-19 digital health pass will allow people to return to the activities and things they love, quote-unquote. Okay, what this means is that without the COVID-19 digital health pass, people will not be allowed to return to their activities and the things they love. I reported about the Great Reset and how life would change. Folks, the world will never return to its former normalcy. IBM and Moderna are not the only ones rolling out your new digital life or lack thereof. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo announced the Excelsior Pass built on IBM's digital health pass during his January 2021 State of the State address and other pilot programs for health verification passes have also been rolled out in various places around the world. In Los Angeles, California, schools have adopted the Daily Pass QR Health Portal, a partnership between Microsoft and Anthem Health. The European Commission has also rolled out a plan for its own digital green pass. The voluntary quote-unquote health passes now being rolled out are just the tip of the iceberg, says Dr. Mercola. Before long, they will become mandatory, at which point unvaccinated individuals be, will be effectively excluded from society. 
Health passes are tied in with the far broader agenda known as the Great Reset, which involves a complete redesign of supply chains and capital organization structures. Health passes will also help build and facilitate the transhumanist technocratic plan to profit from genomic data collection. And last week, my report rebutted those Christians and Hebrew Roots teachers who deny that the earth has entered the age of marking, the age of the mark of the beast. Here is what our generation, starting with World War II's greatest generation, but more particularly us baby boomers, never realized. The mark has actually been a common process for us all of our lives. I said the mark of the beast is a process. Well, it has been that all of our lives. As children, we were being conditioned to take the jab. The whole history of vaccinations, those needles, have been a process from our childhood. And hey, I remember being vaccinated in the army at Fort McClellan, standing in line, waiting my turn. This medical reality has conditioned people to accept the mark, the karagma that is here now. We also now understand that the vaccine is specific only to certain viruses based on the DNA changing protein being injected. But we don't know what else the DNA alterations will be. I'm going to ask you, do you think it's possible that they are doing other DNA alterations that they are not telling you about? Well, I do, and know this, the globalists will release one coronavirus strain after another until they achieve getting people vaccinated. The great resetters are creating the world's greatest health calamity in the Earth's history. In another of Dr. Mercola's articles we read, if early statistics are any indication, we are facing the greatest public health calamity in modern history. No, I'm not talking about a third, fourth, or fifth wave of COVID-19. I'm talking about the current vaccination campaign, he says. I have no doubt that deaths caused by COVID-19 vaccines will end up far exceeding the number of actual COVID-19 deaths. The greatest tragedy here is that while COVID-19 kills already unhealthy elderly and individuals who are just years from their natural death, the vaccines are killing the young and healthy who typically have many more decades to live. There's no quote-unquote greater good argument that can ever make this type of trade-off okay. Well, what Joseph Mercola does not understand is that this has nothing to do with any good or greater good. It has to do with reducing the global population. 
Dr. Mercola goes on to explain the nonsensical way that COVID cases and deaths are tabulated to show how we're being lied to. You ought to go and read all of that. I don't have time for it here. But he goes on to say, as of right now, the vaccine may not match or exceed the lethality of COVID-19 itself, but we're only three months into the vaccination campaign. According to NPR, 21.7% of the U.S. population had received at least one vaccine dose as of March 16, 2021. And there are compelling reasons to suspect these vaccines may contribute to death further down the line, perhaps months or a few years into the future. Those ending up with permanent disability as a result of these vaccines will be at increased risk of early death, for example. And there's no telling how these vaccines might impact the longevity of children. If premature death occurs a year or more down the line, it's unlikely that anyone will suspect it being connected to the vaccine. Right now, even deaths that occur within 24 hours in people who were young and in good health are chalked up to coincidence, which is truly remarkable, he says. This pandemic news article says wearing a mask, quarantining, social distancing, and getting the mRNA vaccine nearly guarantees you'll catch the next round of morphed COVID-19. From antibacterial everything to bacteria trapping COVID masks, Americans are setting themselves up like bowling pins for the ultimate strike, and that comes in the form of more virulent strains of a warped and mutated COVID virus. The mRNA vaccine is a setup because it's not natural immunity. The wild, mutated, morphed, and more adaptive virus strains will outsmart the vaccinated body. That's severely compromised from social distancing antibacterial products that cause liver damage, bacteria-laden masks, and a newly mutated version of the genetically modified version of the old virus strain that's long gone already. Look, it is no coincidence that the mark of the beast has been rolled out at this time and that Israel is still suffering from election problems. The mark of the beast and Israel's election mess are two components required to bring the Jewish Messiah, who will call himself both King of Israel and her God. Israel's election did not turn out the way either Benjamin Netanyahu or Benny Gantz wanted. No party won a clear majority, but it appears Netanyahu may have an edge in making a majority coalition by enlisting, get this, one of the Arab parties. Now, if that makes you say, what? You're not alone. During this week's election, it appeared early on that Netanyahu would receive enough Knesset seats to form a governing coalition, but then 
The same anomaly happened in Israel's election that happened in the U.S. election last November. Hmm. Just like Trump's numbers changed overnight, so did Netanyahu's. As time and counting of votes moved along, Netanyahu's lead began to fall until now Israel is left with a conundrum. Making a far-right religious government with an Israeli Arab party, Ram, uh, also known as United Arab List, or going to a fifth election, which could happen anyway. That means Rom could well become the deciding factor. It's five seats, tips, either block over the edge and into the government. It would be natural to assume that Rom, whose aim is the Islamization of Arab society, which it pursues through religious outreach and a vast network of charities, would link up with Israel's left. However, that isn't necessarily the case. Netanyahu has been wooing Rom's chairman, Mahmoud Abbas, not the same Mahmoud Abbas that heads the Palestinian state, for some time. Abbas has reciprocated and has indicated he would consider joining a Netanyahu government. Abbas's willingness to work with Netanyahu and Zionist parties in general is what led to the breakup of the Joint List, an Arab party to which Ram belonged. It split in February as the other parties that made up the faction refused to adopt Abbas's pragmatic approach. But Abbas's strategy appears to have proven itself at the polls. His party won five seats, whereas the joint list dropped from 15 to 8. Netanyahu, for his part, has also changed his strategy vis-a-vis Israeli Arab voters, focusing part of his latest campaign on outreach to Israeli Arabs, pledging to fight crime, which has plagued their communities. And by the way, some of that crime, and I don't know the percentages, comes from Israeli settlers beating and killing Palestinians. Back to the article. However, even if Rom chooses to support a Netanyahu coalition, it's not clear how easy it will be for the Prime Minister to convince his party to go along with the plan. There are already indications of a rift, as two Likud Knesset members exchanged barbs on Wednesday over the possibility. I believe Yahweh has been preventing Israel from making a solid government ever since the July 2018 Jewish State Bill was enacted. At the time, I said Yahweh will not tolerate any one tribe or coalition of tribes, which is what the Jews are, a coalition of four out of the twelve tribes, trying to establish Israel on just those tribes. The Jewish state bill was enacted in a jubilee year, 2017 to 2018. Now, was this year a jubilee? Well, the rabbis said the jubilee was 2016 to 2017, but the Israeli government declared 2017 to 2018 to be the jubilee. However, 
No one knows if those years are truly Yahweh's jubilee because no one's year count is correct, not even the rabbis count. They admit that at least 240 years is missing from their calendar. But you know what? It doesn't matter. Let me tell you why. The Jews, House of Judah, now presiding over the modern new and created political state of Israel, not to be confused with Yahweh's biblical Israel, declared a jubilee in 2017 and 2018. And when Yahweh's people speak something, Yahweh has an expectation regarding what is being spoken. Numbers 30 verses 1 and 2. Moses spoke to the heads of the tribes concerning the children of Israel saying this is the thing which Yahweh has commanded. If a man vow a vow to the Lord or swear an oath to bind his soul with a bond he shall not break his word. He shall do according to all that proceeds out of his mouth. In Jeremiah 34 the Jews did the same thing. They declared either a Shemitah or Jubilee year, and they released all their slaves. After the year was over, they made their slaves return to their former enslavement. What happened next was Yahweh telling them that because they had declared but not upheld his Jubilee, he was going to kill them. Do you think Yahweh might have this in mind again? Thus, Yahweh expected the Jews this time to step up and bring all the tribes back to Israel, allowing us to make Yah as is necessary for a jubilee. There were two righteous kings in Scripture, Hezekiah and Josiah, who worked on reuniting all twelve tribes by first calling them to Jerusalem for the three pilgrimage feasts of Yahweh. That's the start of reunification. That kind of call by the modern UN created political state of Israel would have been the biggest step in fulfilling the laws of the Jubilee which requires that all twelve tribes be brought back and have their tribal territories restored but the Jews reject that the northern tribes still exist in the world or that any of the people of those tribes still exist in the world to rabbis the only people of Yahweh who are in the diaspora are Jews from the four tribes. Rivka Lambert Adler, Jewish conversion ring seducer extraordinaire, told a man in our fellowship that Ephraim will never be allowed to return to Israel. She said this the same year that Israel implemented the Jewish state bill. The Jewish state bill made Arabs and Druze and basically all non-Jews in Israel into second-class citizens. And earlier I said some Jews are complaining about the mark of the beast, the green pass, making them into second-class citizens. Do you see the connection? Folks, the beast is marking its people for separation. The goats from the sheep. The goats are those who received the mark and they will be destroyed. 
and hopefully the Jews who are fighting this mark will soon come to understand that they are Yeshua's sheep and they will accept him as their Messiah because another of their tests, theirs and our tests, will be choosing between the Jewish Antichrist and Yeshua. The attitude of the rabbis that the only people belonging to Yahweh come from the tribes of Judah, Benjamin, Simeon, and Levi is why Israel has had such a hard time putting together a functioning government after declaring a Jewish-only jubilee. Yahweh is preventing them. And perhaps this political mess in Israel will result in the people calling for a prime minister for life or the making of a king, one who does not need to be elected. The Knesset could remain electable, but the people would always be able to count on the same leader through each election cycle, just as they do here in Jordan. And now, here is what I wanted to tell you at the end of this report. Last week, I pointed out that Yahweh's true people, His remnant, find themselves mourning over the loss of going to the feasts in Jerusalem instead of celebrating them in their own way and wherever they like, as has been done for almost 2,000 years. To mourn over Yahweh's feasts is actually to mourn over Jerusalem. Why? Because you are not able to be in Jerusalem, King Yeshua Yahweh Elohim's capital city. Our heart's desire should always be toward Jerusalem. The feasts are how Yahweh arranged for us to come near Him in the physical world. We come near Him spiritually, but a physical people need to come near Him in the physical realm too. This is also why He will be physically on the earth during the millennium. In Jerusalem. We don't understand the importance of mourning anymore. But the loss of Jerusalem is one of our most important reasons to mourn. Even Yeshua wept over Jerusalem. Luke 19:41-44. And as he, Yeshua, drew near, seeing the city, he wept over it, saying, If you had known, even you, even at least in this day of yours, the things for your peace, but now they were hidden from your eyes. For the days will come on you, and ones hostile to you will raise up a rampart to you, and will surround you, and will keep you in on all sides, and will tear you down and your children in you, and will not leave a stone on a stone, because you did not know the time of your visitation. So, here are more scriptures about mourning the loss of Jerusalem, our ability to go there to do not only Yahweh's feasts, but many other of the Torah's requirements like tithing and cleansing from various diseases like leprosy 
and a new mother taking her offering for the new baby in Leviticus 12. Psalms 137, 1 through 9 says this, By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down. Yes, we wept when we remembered Zion. On the willows in that land, we hung our harps. For there, those who led us captive asked us for songs. Those who tormented us demanded songs of joy. Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How can we sing Yahweh's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, Jerusalem, let my right hand forget its skill. Let my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I don't remember you. If I don't prefer Jerusalem above my chief joy, remember Yahweh against the children of Edom, the day of Jerusalem, who said, Raise it, raise it even to its foundation. Daughter of Babylon, doomed to destruction, he will be happy who rewards you as you have served us. Happy will he be who takes and dashes your little ones against the rock. In Lamentations 1.4, the ways of Zion do mourn because none come to the solemn feasts. All her gates are desolate, her priests sigh, her virgins are afflicted, and she is in bitterness. Jerusalem's gates are not supposed to be desolate, nor are they to be filled only with Jews. If ever there was a time to mourn over the loss of Jerusalem, it is now celebrating the feasts wherever you are which means you're automatically doing them in ways Yahweh did not command means you are not mourning over Jerusalem those who love Yeshua Yahweh Elohim's capital city which is also our capital should be mourning and definitely We should be mourning because we cannot go for his feasts. Ezekiel 2, 1 through 10 says, He said to me, Son of man, stand on your feet and I will speak with you. The Spirit entered into me when he spoke to me and set me on my feet and I heard him who spoke to me. He said to me, Son of man, I send you to the children of Israel, to a nation of rebels who have rebelled against me. They and their fathers have transgressed against me even to this very day. The children are impudent and stiff-hearted. I am sending you to them, and you shall tell them, Thus says the Lord Yahweh, They... Whether they will hear or whether they will refuse, for they are a rebellious house, yet they will know that there has been a prophet among them. You, son of man, don't be afraid of them, neither be afraid of their words, though briars and thorns are with you, and you do dwell among scorpions. Don't be afraid of their words, don't be dismayed at their looks, though they are a rebellious house. You shall speak my words to them, whether they will hear or whether they will refuse, for they are most rebellious. But you, son of man, hear what I tell you. 
Don't be rebellious like that rebellious house. Open your mouth and eat what I give you. When I looked, behold, a hand was stretched out to me, and behold, a scroll of a book was in it. He spread it before me. It was written within and without. Lamentations, mourning, and woe were written in it. Those are tribulation terms, folks. Seeing what is now happening and what is coming quickly should make us mourn. Instead, Yahweh's people are going about their lives as if these new conditions are just an inconvenience. The loss of Jerusalem 2,000 years ago should be a heartbreaker for Yahweh's people, especially at his feasts. But his Ephraimite people, who have come out of Christianity, just quickly have gone about doing what the Jews do. The Jews who were themselves kicked out of Jerusalem and who are going to be killed by Yahweh again. When will Israel learn what is important to Yahweh and not what is important to them? Listen, Daniel mourned over Jerusalem, and guess when? At the feast of Passover. Daniel 10, 2 and 3. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning three full weeks. I ate no pleasant bread. No meat or wine came into my mouth. I did not anoint myself at all until three whole weeks were fulfilled. So Daniel had been mourning for three weeks during the Passover season. How do I know? Because in verse 4 it says, And the 24th day of the first month, as I was by the side of the great river, which is Hiddekel. So, from the third day of Nisan, Aviv, Daniel, because... 24 minus 21 is 3, so he's in the 24th day of the first month, which is Nisan or Aviv. He started on the third day of that month mourning. Why? Because he missed Jerusalem for Passover. And he was doing what remnant people should do at the feasts. Not just Passover, but all of the feasts. But what did the rabbis start teaching the Jews to do in Babylon? They taught them to keep Passover at home. So Daniel mourns and the Jews celebrate. Which one is the remnant? You get one guess. Yeshua is coming to bring back those who mourn. Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4. The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is on me because Yahweh has anointed me to preach the gospel to the meek. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and complete opening to the bound ones, to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh and the day of vengeance of our Lord, our God rather to comfort all who mourn who is Yeshua going to gather he is going to gather those who are captives right in verse 1 
and he's going to proclaim the acceptable year of Yahweh, the Jubilee, and the day of vengeance of our God, the millennium, and he's going to comfort who? Who is he going to comfort? All who mourn. And guess what he's going to do in verse 3? He's going to appoint to those who mourn in Zion to give them beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, the mantle of praise instead of the spirit of infirmity, so that one calls them trees of righteousness, the planting of Yahweh, in order to beautify himself, and they shall build old ruins, they shall raise up former desolations, and they shall restore the waste cities, ruins of generations and generations Yahweh comes to restore those that mourn over Jerusalem they mourn in Zion it says there in verse 3 one of the definitions and usages of the word Zion is the people Zion is Jerusalem that's one definition Zion is the mountain that's a second definition and the people is also a definition of Zion depending on the context here in Isaiah 61 the context is Yeshua restoring his people so there is a Zion people a remnant who are mourning mourning for what Jerusalem for one of many things but also for not being able to attend the pilgrimage feasts and do those things that please Yahweh when he calls us to his capital city for his feasts Isaiah 66.10 says, Rejoice you with Jerusalem and be glad with her, all you that love her. Rejoice for joy with her, all all you that mourn for her. See, loving her and mourning her go together. Jeremiah 31.13 Then shall the virgin rejoice in the dance both young men and old together for I will turn their mourning into joy and will comfort them and make them rejoice from their sorrow how can mourning be turned into joy if we are not mourning how can we be restored to his feasts when we are doing our own doing what he we call his feasts our way Yeshua may have had a specific kind of mourning in mind when he said in Matthew 5 4 blessed are they that mourn for they shall be comforted that's not just any kind of mourning like well I'm just I'm sad no it's not that kind of mourning it's mourning over Jerusalem in his day Jerusalem was a mess and there were those remnant people who mourned over Jerusalem even while living in Israel those are who he will comfort and one more thing the Jews know how important Yahweh's feasts are to his rule and reign on the earth this is why the Talmud says that after 
the final redemption, all of the holidays will be diminished or disappear except for Hanukkah and Purim, the two holidays that have no basis in the Torah. These are Jewish only holidays. Pertaining to Hanukkah, a midrash which stated, in the future, all sacrifices, with the exception of the Thanksgiving sacrifice, will be discontinued, according to Midrash by Ikra Rabbah 9.7. Well, that's not what Ezekiel said, whose temple description is what the Jews are going to say they have built. The Yalkut Shimoni, a compilation of rabbinic commentary on the Bible, believed to have been composed in the 13th century, states that all the holidays will be canceled in the future, but the days of Purim will never be canceled. This is based on a verse in the book of Esther. Judaism intends to stop celebrating all the feasts of Yahweh. After the final redemption. How much clearer can it get? Don't do what the Jews do. Those who mourn over Jerusalem and the feasts will be in the kingdom. They will be gathered. Those who want to replace the feasts with their own way of doing them as the Jews have done and plan to completely do away with them in the future will not enter the kingdom. And so might be the fate of those non-Jews who follow what the Jews do. There is much more news about the dangers of the vaccinations and the consequences of not having a contrite and mourning heart over Jerusalem and the feasts of Yahweh than I can share here. Be sure to read the headlines and click the links in this week's News, News and Prophecies where I will include a podcast by an Israeli woman about the horrors going on in Israel right now under this new Beast System. That's it for this Beast Watch News update. This is Kimberly Rogers Brown signing off. Click over to BeastWatchNews.com for full comprehensive coverage of all the headlines fulfilling end of days Bible prophecy.